afternoon, everybody. This is Biz Culture Matters on Clay 1180 AM and com. I am your host, Zach Gandra. With me, as always, the immutable Steve Gandra, who's texting on his phone and not paying attention while we're of on a radio show. Of course I'm paying attention. Do you remember that meeting we were in the other day? You're talking about we were... the new survey on multitasking no. and how it destroys brain cells? Uh, oh, yeah, you sent that to me, and I was like, yeah, I read that years ago, and I've tried to stop multitasking. But you're addicted. But do you remember the meeting that we were in the other day with our new website designer, and, and you kept asking her the same questions over and over again, and I said, stop texting on your phone so you can listen to what she's saying. And you're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, Dr. Cook is going to tell us yeah. what behavioral style that rec- that represents. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I'm confronting you right now with my oppositional behavior, and I'm just letting you Cons- know that you need Constructive, to- healthy, balanced oppositional <laughs> yeah. behavior. I need you to do more of listening and less of texting when well, other people are talking. Well, we, we hope that <laughs> our listeners listened to the show last week. If you didn't listen to the show last week, you got to go back and get it on the podcast. Because yep. uh, Dr. Robert Cook is teaching us whole new ways of how to maximize both engagement and performance Absolutely. in our culture. Engagement and performance, uh, which consequently uh, for companies and relationships results in return on investment and, and, and better engagement and higher performance. A huge return on investment. Huge. Don't, not engagement. just little. Yeah. Huge. 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 Are you huge. defining huge? You're pulling out pieces well, of paper. Well, no. no. Dr. Huge. Cook is going to define huge. For us, huge, yeah. In terms of his next research, because uh, if you listened to the show last week, if you didn't, you definitely need yeah. to. But um, you know, Dr. Robert Cook, the director of Human Synergistics International, uh, was with us last week. He's with us again this week. Uh, we we dubbed Rob last week the Big Kahuna. You dubbed of him. organizational yep. culture. Well, that's a name that's going to stick because he really is the Big Kahuna. The Big Kahuna. I mean, forty plus Have years. Have you gotten that name played in ga- engraved? Um, not yet, but I will. I intend to. I said it on the radio. He's <laughs> he's got me in contract. The Big <laughs> the Kahuna. The Big Kahuna. So, but if you didn't listen to the show, Doctor Cook, uh, the director of Human Synergistics International, forty plus years of experience gathering yeah. research on the most effective cultures in the world, the most ineffective. He can tell you what the difference is. He can tell you what the root causes are, the driving causes and forces behind every organizational or business outcome. Uh, He shared with our uh, listeners last week um, the what I call the employee engagement debacle, that it's not just about engaged employees. It's about, as Dr. Cook told us, effective employees, and that it's not engaged or effective. It's both. And you can have engaged, warm and fuzzy, you know, kumbaya, you know, culture, but if it's ineffective, then you will go out of business quickly. I I engage with buddies on a lot of things that produce nothing. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That produce nothing. That produce nothing. So I would would like, shall we have him join us? Well, uh, Dr. Cook, are you there? I am here. Awesome. So I have the most important question of the day that I'm going to lead with. Dr. Cook, I'd like to know what you think about beards in the workplace. About beards? Beards in the workplace. (laughs) Facial hair. I guess it depends on the workplace. (laughs) (laughs) That's the right answer. That's the answer, Steve. That is the right answer. That is the right answer. Oh, yeah. I have have a large, hefty beard, and uh, Steve and I have have interesting discussions about it on a regular basis. However, you have noticed that in the right setting, I get a... I get a stellar barber trim. A stellar barber trim for the right setting. So, but but we haven't a- we haven't asked Doctor Cook what his opinion 
what the research basis and is for <laughs> tattoos in the workplace. Visible oh, yeah. tattoos. Visible in tattoos the in the workplace. Here we go again. So we're already oppositional in one another. And uh, there you go. Come on, ask him or ask him something real. So uh, uh, the reason I asked Rob to do two shows for us today, I knew that we would just fill up the one like we did last week with all of his opinions about this whole, what I call the employee engagement debacle. And he set us straight, but um, he just finished uh, compiling some research that, and Rob, correct me if I'm wrong, that you've been gathering for years and years and years of what the ideal culture looks like globally in just about every civilized society, every organization that would call themselves civilized or part of a civilized nation. And when I first saw the compilation of this research, uh, it gives you a whole new perspective of hope for humanity. Whole new perspective of hope. So, uh, Rob, so, so to start us out, why don't you redefine what you mean by ideal culture? What is an ideal culture and how do you measure it? Sounds great. Sounds great. And please do call me Rob. Um, Professor Cook, Dr. Cook is not necessary. All right. And on the Kahuna side, uh, you know, my license plate currently says culture. I think I'm going to trade it in for one that says Kahuna. Kahuna. No, no, no. It's going to be culture Kahuna. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Run these by your wife first, will you? I'll do that. I'll do that. And just for the record... I do have a beard. Nice. Yeah, I told you. That's all. he likes the beard. Yeah, he He's likes got one. Yep. I love it. Well and played. Flipping that in. Well played. Thank you. I, all right. I, I feel all right. That affirmed. We have been measuring ideal cultures for years with the OCI ideal, and just briefly, Human Synergistics initially did not offer the ideal version of the OCI. We we would just. Uh, give people what was an what an ideal profile looked like based on research we had conducted with a good number of organizations. For a number of reasons, though, we found that um, leaders, organizational members, like to create their own ideal. They feel that their organization is different, they're, you know, a little special, different industry, whatever. So we, we came up with uh, the ideal version and I'm very glad we did, not only for our clients here in North America, but also for our clients worldwide. Nowadays, we have offices in 15 countries, and we have been finding out that uh, the ideal cultural profiles look a little bit different across countries. What we ask people to do is to um, read the 120 behaviors, review them in the OCI, and indicate the extent to which members should be expected to engage into those behaviors. And we want them to think in terms of what will maximize motivation, performance, and the overall long-term effectiveness of the organization in terms of reaching goals and the like. And we take all their responses and come up with 12 scores corresponding to each of the 12 OCI styles and the three general types of cultures and uh, aggregate their responses to come up with what we call the ideal profiles. And as I said before, at least in the United States, those ideal profiles are heavily constructive, very low on the path of styles, 
Um, let's say moderate on the aggressive. Yeah, Rob, do, spend a little time and describe for our listeners who weren't, who didn't catch the show last week yet. Uh, spend a little time describing what you mean by constructive styles or a constructive culture. Constructive styles, constructive culture, is at the top of our OCI circumflex. And the OCI stands for the Organizational Culture Inventory, listeners. Thank you. Thank you. And we basically focus on four ways of thinking and behaving, four sets of norms and expectations, achievement, self-actualizing, humanistic, and affiliative. Those are the four constructive styles. They represent a balance of a task and people orientation, and also an interesting balance between individual members and the organization itself. There's, there's an equity between individuals and organizations rather than people being expected to place themselves in a subordinate position to the organization or, for that matter, a superordinate position. So those are, those are the four construct styles. They contrast with asset styles that involve approval-oriented, conventional, dependent, and avoidance behaviors. And they also contrast with what we call the aggressive styles, oppositional, power-oriented, internally competitive, perfectionistic. So basically a constructive culture is one where the people naturally, without anyone causing them or forcing them when they, they come to work, they're all about setting and achieving goals, not because the boss says so, but because that's who they are. They're about self-actualization and continuous improvement, not because the organization has implemented a continuous improvement process, although those do contribute to continuous improvement, but because the people are humanistic, encouraging, and self-actualizing, humanistic, encouraging, meaning valuing people above task but not at the expense of task, and then, as Rob described, affiliative, they're team-oriented and are really good at connecting with each other and building what we talked about on the last show as team spirit. So I'm getting the slowdown sign, which means we're probably about to go to a break. We but, are going to a break. But I want Rob to you know, kind of expand on those a bit when we come back. Yes, there's critical going to be expansion of all of that. We're excited to have Dr. Rob Cook with us. Excuse me. He asked us just to call him Rob. Rob. From Rob, Rob, Rob with with the beard who's in favor of beards. I love so it. So you knew you liked him it. before you even heard him say that. Well, if he comes to Seattle, I'll buy him a beer and a tattoo. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, we'll no, be... no, the tattoo has to say culture kahuna. <laughs> culture kahuna. There you go. <laughs> We've derailed, people. Uh, we'll be right back. You're listening to Big Biz Culture Matters on Play 1180 AM and excellentcultures.com. We'll be right back. Remember when your company was awesome? It was you against the world. Successful strategy, to-do list, done, supersonic growth. But over time, the sharp edge gets dull, and good is good enough. Why? Because companies forget that bigger is not always better, that politics crush people, innovation, and creativity. And before you can say rotten corporate culture, social media posts are infecting your business. The answer? 
It's not just your corporate strategies, it's your corporate culture. Excellent companies know that bad culture eats great strategies for breakfast. These guys really get it. Whether you're a family biz or a Fortune 500, or a new biz and want to get it right, Excellent Cultures can bring you back to awesome because they get it. What they know for sure? You don't need another consultant. Excellent Cultures gives you what you need to get what you want. Bottom line business results that last. How do they do it? With successful business leaders as coaches and proven scientific data. They read your company's culture from inside out. Think MRI. They give you fast, accurate bottom line tactics. They don't treat symptoms, they go for the cure. Based on science, they reveal the hearts and minds of your people using proven and concise data, not warm and fuzzy psychobabble. And here's the kicker. You get supervisors who coach and inspire, workers who love their work, and everyone, that's everyone, not just the boss, takes ownership and accountability. It just doesn't get much better than this. And if you're wondering if Excellent Cultures works, just ask a few of their grads. Don't let the culture monster eat your strategy for breakfast. Check it out for some free advice from one of their experts now, or start it yourself with their complimentary online business culture MRI. We're back, listeners. You're listening to Biz Culture Matters on Clay 1180 AM and ExcellentCultures.com. Uh, Zach Gander here with Steve Gander, the immutable and uh, highly, what was the word I used to call you? Inimitable. Inimitable. Yes. You cannot be copied. <laughs> yeah. Um, I can't believe I forgot it. It's been so long since <laughs> I've used it. Well, I tried to get you to stop using it for about 40 radio shows. I know. I know. Did. You didn't like it. It was great. We did it for like two years and then it moved on. But uh, f- remind us really, really quick where we're going and where then we're giving it to Dr. Cook. Well, where so we're Rob. going uh, is Dr. Robert Cook, a.k.a. Rob is uh, helping us today identify what the value of a culture that produces high performance in an organization is, and not just this conversation that every leader has about, well, we have a great culture around here. Uh, Dr. Cook knows what a great culture is and isn't, and he can tell you with statistically valid data. But before the break, we are talking specifically about uh, this concept of asking, you know, people in organizations to identify or in, or define what they would call the ideal culture. I mean, I like to call it the culture where, where uh, that that people would look to as one where people woke up two hours early every morning, could hardly wait to get to work, and uh, after they were finished, uh, they were just as equally excited the next day. But uh, Dr. Cook has just completed some, you know, global research that tells us exactly. Uh, what that culture looks like in all the various spots of the planet. So, Rob, just keep going. Tell us more about this ideal culture and what have you found out uh, with respect to what's going on around the world? Is it always the same? Is it different? Uh, and how different? You would think it would be extremely different. What have you found? We, we have found some very interesting differences, but also some fascinating similarities across the world. You know, I've been looking into the the macro factors that uh, shape ideal and current cultures of organizations for actually three decades now, and um, it's surprising things like um, industry, 
uh, strategy, organizational size, really do not seem to have a significant impact on how people describe the ideal culture or, for that matter, the current culture of their organizations. But one, one I've come across that is, is very, very important is societal values. And I'm talking about um, societal values specifically as defined by Gert Hofstede. Um, many of your listeners uh, uh, possibly know of uh, Hofstede. Uh, his book, Culture's Consequences, he has a very good website. Um, he was IBM's social psychologist back in the 1960s. And IBM asked him, gave him the assignment of helping them do business better in the six or so countries where they had offices or facilities or clients. Ofsted came up with um, a number of societal values uh, that many, many of you have probably heard of but maybe don't associate with, with his studies. But power distance, for example, the extent to which less powerful people accept inequality, they expect inequality and power, view it as normal. Collectivism versus individualism, with individualism being a focus on one's own interest in immediate family, versus collectivism, focus on close in-groups, extended families, clans, from which one cannot easily detach, and uncertainty avoidance, the extent to which people within the culture are made nervous by situations that are unstructured, unclear, unpredictable, and where differences are not really tolerated. What, you know, what I've done over the years is to combine Hofstede's insights and data with some data I started collecting actually back in 1990. Uh, we were contacted by a uh, uh, professional society of uh, managers and management students, and they wanted to use the OCI at their annual meeting to um, discuss culture and uh, talk about values, norms, expectations, etc. I, I was fascinated by what they wanted to do. We ended up contributing a couple thousand copies of the OCI, the Organizational Culture Inventory, um, for their annual conference. And uh, what I asked them to do is, besides describing the current operating cultures of their organization, also described the ideal cultures. And I, I ended up with data on about uh, 45 or 50 different countries, what, you know, what the ideal culture would look like for their organizations. And I started back then creating these ideal composite cultural profiles for different countries and for what we call different country clusters, the Anglo cluster, Germanic, Nordic, as well as like the Latin European cluster of countries, the Latin American countries, Near Eastern, like Turkey and Greece, and the Far Eastern cluster, Indonesia, Malaysia, Thailand, other Asian countries. And I, I, I literally created uh, some composite profiles, which uh, are available on various websites. I think you're going to put them up on your site. Oh, yeah, they will be up when you listen to Rob's podcast at excellentcultures.com slash podcast. 
you definitely want to take a look at these because this is going to change your view of the world. This will change your view of the world. Where, where else can they be found, Rob? Um, it, it can be found on our website at humansynergistics.com, and um, I, I assume that we have uh, a couple of my presentations uh, on our website at humansynergistics.com where you can actually hear me talking about it for like an hour or so, and I hope I won't bore you. I think that's uh, you're not you're not boring. Remember, you're the culture kahuna. There you go. Not boring at all. We don't have boring people on this show. It's too hard. It's too hard to get people to take time to listen and, and to information. I'll try and I'll, I'll try and make sure that's true for this. <laughs> Good. How, how's that? Good, Rob. What 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 we what we show with these profiles is that for countries and organizations within countries that are relatively low in power distance, high in individualism and low in uncertainty avoidance, the culture profiles, the ideal culture profiles, look pretty much like they do for the United States and Canada. And by that, I mean very strong on the constructive styles, quite weak on the passive styles, and at best moderate, at most moderate, on the aggressive styles. So for companies, organizations in Anglo countries, the United States, Canada, UK, Australia, New Zealand, the Germanic cluster, Germany, Austria, Switzerland, the Nordic cluster, Finland, Sweden, Denmark, Norway, what you'll see is a lot of constructive, again, very low passive. Now, that changes slightly from one cluster to the next, but it really starts changing when you start looking at the Latin European <coughs> countries, Belgium, Spain, France, Latin American countries, Brazil, Argentina, Venezuela, Colombia, the Near Eastern cluster, Turkey, Greece, and the Far Eastern cluster, Thailand, Indonesia, and Philippines, etc., in those latter countries, again, power distance is higher, collectivism is stronger, and uncertainty avoidance is greater at the societal level. And very interestingly, what we see is progressively stronger ideal values mm. for both the passive and the aggressive styles. And when you look at these profiles, some of them are almost round. So in other words, they not only view the constructive styles as being ideal, but they also view the aggressive and the passive styles as being ideal. It's amazing. Humanity wants the same thing. <laughs> In terms of the constructive styles, they do. Yeah. It is, it is really something else. Wow. Countries are very different from one another in terms of overall societal values, right. like rights, political systems, etc. But across borders, across boundaries, they consistently value the constructive styles. That's amazing. There are differences in the extent to which they value the passive and the defensive and the aggressive styles. Right. 
That's yeah. amazing. Well, what's what's amazing is that when you ask uh, people from cultures all over the world to identify the ideal culture, I mean, not the culture that exists where you work or where you live or in the country that you're part of, but the culture that you would really like to see it be like, it is predominantly a culture full of achievement, people setting and achieving goals and achieving, self-actualization, people working to be all that they can be, humanistic encouraging, people valuing human beings and tasks, but really human beings over tasks when it comes right down to it, and then uh, teamwork. Yeah, teamwork, affiliative, teamwork and working together for a common cause as opposed to in silos and, and opposing. And, I mean, many people would tell you that, that, well, that's the way we think in America, but it's not the way they think in all these other various nations mm-hmm. of the world with different cultures. And what you're telling us is whether it's the way people think or not, it's the way they want to think. Is that correct, Rob? That is correct, and and what they think should be valued and expected right. within their organization. Yeah, that's beautiful. And the interesting thing is that everyone is right about that. Those styles, as as we were discussing in the last show, translate into individual performance, engagement, and organizational effectiveness. That's beautiful. And we we have seen across countries across that uh, the constructive styles tend to have the same impact within countries. So in other words, our research in Germany shows that the constructive styles are just as powerful as they are in the United States in terms of leading to high performance. What we find, however, interestingly, is that across countries, the passive styles and the aggressive styles do not lead to performance. Mm. In fact, in terms of world competitiveness of different countries, those styles, those types of cultures, detract from performance and competitiveness. Wow. So we've got this interesting situation where, yes, across countries, there is consistent value placed on the constructive styles, and and that is that is supported by the positive impact of constructive styles. However, we find across countries, across societies, in some places we have emphasis attached to the passive and the aggressive styles. And that is somewhat unfortunate because those styles detract not only from organizational performance, but also from the world competitiveness of the countries within which those organizations are located. And just as a footnote, I am talking about world competitiveness as measured by IND in Switzerland. And you can visit their website, ind.org, to look at what they mean by world competitiveness as well as their measures of world competitiveness. That's great. we got to go into a break uh, so we can get to the juicy parts of the next part of the show. But uh, those are some absolutely intriguing facts and things that we need to know as business leaders, company leaders, managers, leaders. 
especially if you're dealing, dealing with human beings from oh, other yeah. societies yeah. and cultures and countries. Clearly. Absolutely. Well, you're listening to Biz Culture Matters on Clay 1180 AM and ExcellentCultures.com. We're heading into a break. We'll be right back with Dr. Robert Cook of Human Synergistics. Remember when your company was awesome? It was you against the world. Successful strategy, to-do list, done, supersonic growth. But over time, the sharp edge gets dull, and good is good enough. Why? Because companies forget that bigger is not always better, that politics crush people, innovation, and creativity. And before you can say rotten corporate culture, social media posts are infecting your business. The answer? It's not just your corporate strategies, it's your corporate culture. Excellent companies know that bad culture eats great strategies for breakfast. These guys really get it. Whether you're a family biz or a Fortune 500, or a new biz and want to get it right, Excellent Cultures can bring you back to awesome, because they get it. What they know for sure? You don't need another consultant. Excellent Cultures gives you what you need to get what you want. Bottom line business results that last. How do they do it? With successful business leaders as coaches and proven scientific data. They read your company's culture from inside out. Think MRI. They give you fast, accurate bottom line tactics. They don't treat symptoms, they go for the cure. Based on science, they reveal the hearts and minds of your people using proven and concise data, not warm and fuzzy psychobabble. And here's the kicker. You get supervisors who coach and inspire, workers who love their work, and everyone, that's everyone, not just the boss, takes ownership and accountability. It just doesn't get much better than this. And if you're wondering if Excellent Cultures works, just ask a few of their grads. Don't let the culture monster eat your strategy for breakfast. Check it out for some free advice from one of their experts now or start it yourself with their complimentary online business culture MRI. We're back with Excellent Cultures and Biz Culture Matters on Clay 1180 AM. We're talking to Dr. Robert Cook, a.k.a. Rob, the director of Human Synergistics, who we have affectionately dubbed as the Culture Kahuna because Rob has been gathering data and measuring organizational and business cultures for over 40 years now. And we were, we were especially talking to him before the break about the impact of societal values on organizational cultures, and he was talking to us about how across the board, regardless of what part of the world you live in, the constructive styles of achievement and affiliative and self-actualizing and humanistic encouraging are pretty, pretty standard. It's like every leader or every human being who defines the ideal culture that they want are quite unique, and and we were going, we will post these Uh, data profiles that Dr. Cook has sent us on the website. So when you get the podcast right there next to Dr. Cook's lovely picture and his bio, you will see these. And I'm looking at them right now. And what I'm seeing is that, uh, you know, the constructive styles, you know, the the what organizations want to be like that in America, 
uh, we would say a high-performance culture is all about this. It's people achieving. It's being all that you can be. It's caring about people and its team uh, are, are, are close to identical across the world. But and that the only differences are in you know the more the the defensive styles, which uh, are are somewhat similar but more you know you know unique in different cultures. And I think our opinion in America is that um, everybody is more different than alike. And what Dr. Cook's data is showing us is that we're actually more alike than different. So, Rob, tell us a little bit more about you know, how the, you know, what the impact of societal values is on ideal cultures. I mean, why do, why, you know, why do you, why, why do, do I see more opposition in the Latin American uh, cluster than I might see in the Anglo culture, uh, in a cluster or the Nordic cluster? And why do I see uh, more opposition, uh, you know, when I look at uh, the uh, Near Eastern culture than maybe I do in the Far Eastern culture? Again, it's, uh, it really is a function of societal values. They are they're playing out the, the value structure of the you know, larger social system within which the organization is operating. And uh, you know, if you uh, if you have a uh, strong tendency, for example, toward uncertainty avoidance, well, by definition, that means um, uh, a lack of tolerance for ambiguity, a lack of tolerance for change a lack of tolerance for differences among people. And, you know, that translates into um, a tendency to be critical, uh, a tendency to uh, point out flaws and proposed changes, a tendency to look at others who are thinking and proposing things that are new and possibly a little bit uncertain, looking, looking at them in, in a negative light. Uh, and those, uh, those, of course, are the uh, counterproductive aspects of the oppositional style that come into play. That, in turn, ends up uh, interfering with um, adaptability, interfering with um, innovation, and uh, instead of um, promoting organizational effectiveness, truly, um, truly detracting. From organizational so if I if I live in the Middle East, let's say, what I what I think I hear you saying, I want you to validate this with our for our listeners, uh, is if I live in the Middle East, if I live in Israel, or if I live in Iran or Iraq or someplace in the Middle East, uh, and I'm thinking about okay, what, what what does it take to achieve high performance or excellence in our team or our organization or our business? then I'm going to be a lot more uh, aggressive in my negotiations and in my resisting new ideas and more combative than, let's say, for example, if I'm in the Anglo, Anglo cluster, um, you know, in, in the U.S. or in, in the U.K. But when it comes down to the constructive styles, uh, we all value human beings, you know, first, and it's almost equal. We all value... Uh, achievement. We all value self-actualization. We all value the team. So when it comes to the the good stuff, it's like uh, we're 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 more alike than different. Is that correct? There there are some real truth to that. And when we're talking about a global organization that um, has facilities, has offices, and 
countries such as the uh, United States and Canada, also South America, Far Eastern nations. What we say is to focus on what's the same. I mean, it's fine to recognize and acknowledge differences, and I do think that's important. However, the integrating factor for a global organization is the constructive styles, because everyone across the countries within which they're operating can identify with those styles. Everyone seems to consistently recognize the value of those styles. And those styles work. People are going to be in a better position to negotiate, so to speak, in a better position to come up with um, an integrative approach to keeping the organization together and keeping offices across countries in alignment. They're going to accept it more readily. The answer is yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. This is so unique. It's like uh, when it comes to the good stuff, we're all kind of cut from the same cloth, and our differences are about the, as you've defined them so well with your circumplex, Rob, are about the security needs or the fear factors, not not the satisfaction needs or what it is that, as human beings, we want to accomplish or achieve together. It's, it's, it's so true, and you know, we, we're often um, we're often asked by um, our clients who are uh, merging with companies from from other countries about integrating their current cultures. And you know, I, I I'll I'll just respond to them. You know, that's that's great. It's very very good for you to be measuring your own current culture and the current operating culture of the organization with which you're merging or the organization you're acquiring. But what I really recommend you do is to define what the ideal culture for the new merged integrated organization should look like. Yeah, there you go. There you go. It's really amazing uh, that you should say that. Uh, Not too long ago, we had Dr. Bruce Avolio from the... University of Washington Foster School here, and Bruce is um, known around the world as the number one expert in the area of transformational leadership. Yeah. And when we asked, uh, you know, we should get the two of you guys together. When we asked uh, Dr. Volio to identify, you know, what the primary factors were in an effective change management process, change in an organization, he said that that ownership, ownership of, of the ideal outcome was the critical factor, and it's typically where most organizations missed it. And as I, as I reflect back on our work uh, with organizations using your tools, let's say if it's a merger or merging two cultures or two countries, or even, you know, the one we spoke about in the last show between a, uh, a union-organized hourly workforce and a management team in an automotive manufacturing company, where there was a lot of opposing forces going on and had been going on for generations, when we asked the leaders of both both sides to identify the ideal culture that they wanted and to use your 120 questions, your instrument to identify that, that they wanted to leave as a legacy to their kids, it was it was identical. I mean, it was identical. So 
if you're exactly. if, if, if you're wanting to implement change in your organizations, if you're looking to, you know, merge organizations, the operative question is what's the ideal culture that we can all agree on and we can all embrace together? And if you're defining it with words, it's inadequate. The, the data is what tells the story. Right. The data do tell the story, and the data suggests don't bother trying to integrate a passive culture with an aggressive culture. Instead, as you were saying, identify systematically what both parties or what all parties view as the ideal culture. It will be constructive and work on literally figuring out what you're going to do to create that kind of culture moving forward. Absolutely. We got to go into our last break and then our last segment with uh, Rob from Human Synergistics, Dr. Rob Cook. I'm sorry, Rob. I just, we have to say doctor. It just, it just sounds so well, good. Well, it's just, it's, it's <laughs> the beard factor. Yeah, that's it's what it is. <laughs> that's what it is. Absolutely. You're listening to Biz Culture Matters on Clay 1180 AM. Send us an email. Ask the experts at excellentcultures.com. We'll be right back. Remember when your company was awesome? It was you against the world. Successful strategy. To-do list done. Supersonic growth. But over time, the sharp edge gets dull, and good is good enough. Why? Because companies forget that bigger is not always better. That politics crush people, innovation, and creativity. And before you can say rotten corporate culture, social media posts are infecting your business. The answer? It's not just your corporate strategies, it's your corporate culture. Excellent companies know that bad culture eats great strategies for breakfast. These guys really get it. Whether you're a family biz or a Fortune 500, or a new biz and want to get it right, Excellent Cultures can bring you back to awesome, because they get it. What they know for sure? You don't need another consultant. Excellent Cultures gives you what you need to get what you want. Bottom line business results that last. How do they do it? With successful business leaders as coaches and proven scientific data. They read your company's culture from inside out. Think MRI. They give you fast, accurate bottom line tactics. They don't treat symptoms. They go for the cure. Based on science, they reveal the hearts and minds of your people using proven and concise data, not warm and fuzzy psychobabble. And here's the kicker. You get supervisors who coach and inspire, workers who love their work, and everyone, that's everyone, not just the boss, takes ownership and accountability. It just doesn't get much better than this. And if you're wondering if Excellent Cultures works, just ask a few of their grads. Don't let the culture monster eat your strategy for breakfast. Check it out for some free advice from one of their experts now or start it yourself with their complimentary online business culture MRI. back this is the last segment today of today's show part one and part two uh part one of uh dr rob cook and human synergistics you can hear on excellentcultures.com 
And if you are still listening right now, you obviously are interested enough that you probably want to find out a little bit about your own company right now. And you can do that. You can send us an email at asktheexperts at excellentcultures.com. Or we have a absolutely simple seven-minute assessment right on our homepage that will at least get you started in a conversation and give us a couple of little bit of data that we can uh, turn into a conversation yeah, and, and when can you're go deeper then, with then human when you're synergistics. Ready, ready to go deep you right know, dr cook's instruments can be completed in what 20 minutes rob the oci about right yeah, yeah about 20 minutes so it and doesn't take a lot of time it doesn't take a lot of time and it's and this is this is not an infomercial uh except that it is for excellent cultures and and, <laughs> and human synergistics and human synergistics it's, but it's but, the truth but yeah but the reality is is i was i was blown away if you've taken something like a strengths finder or something like that and it takes quite a bit longer than 20 minutes and you're kind of blown away at the, the, uh, what's the word? Gosh, uh, the, the revelation of who you really the revelation are. of it in 20 minutes. I mean, I've, I've now taken the human synergistics one a couple of times for a couple of different organizations I've worked in and in 20 minutes, I'm blown away at how freaking, I, there's no other adjective freaking accurate it is and a helpful tool it is. So Steve, you, you've got a last, last couple of questions there. I know that you want to give to Dr. Rob before we get. Yeah, Rob, uh, competitiveness is such a huge factor in, you know, not just business cultures, but national cultures these days, everyone wants to, you know, everyone wants to win. Uh, what do you, what's the relationship between ideal organizational cultures and the competitiveness slash effectiveness of countries? Uh, you know, how do you assess that? What's what, what's the relationship? The the OCI, as as you know, measures internal competition within organizations rather than the organization's ability to compete uh, within its industry, et cetera. And internal competition is often overrated in in organizational settings. So you mean Some sneaky corporate politics is not a good thing? Uh, you mean b- backstabbing to look good to the boss is not a good thing? What a shame, you know. <laughs> and, that's, and that's really it. it. It's looking good as opposed to performing good. It's, it, it's quite interesting. Um, you know, look, a little bit of um, friendly competition within the organization certainly does not hurt. But when, um, when people are only interested in now performing one another, uh, when they're interested in setting goals just to look better than others rather than setting goals to um, maximize their own performance given their resources, given what they have available, things, things start going wrong. And it's fascinating how strong the negative relationship is between competitive organizational cultures and the world competitiveness of countries. You would think superficially that, you know, the more competitiveness you have within organizations culturally, the better off the country would be in terms of their standing in, um, in terms of overall competitiveness, overall growth, overall quality, overall, overall profitability, et cetera. The correlation is around negative 0.40 for those of you who are into statistics. And we've looked at this with all different types of data. We've looked at it with um, the IMD Switzerland rankings of world competitiveness. 
as well as the uh, the uh, economic forum rankings of world competitiveness, and it comes out the same. So the um, the news is that those aggressive styles that um, you know seemingly look good um, really can act against the best interests of um, individual organizations as well as the interests of uh, the countries within which organizations operate. Yeah, what's so interesting I, I find out about that, especially in dealing with, with sales organizations, you know, organizations full of highly competitive people, uh, much like we talked about on the last show where where culture sunk the Titanic. It wasn't the iceberg. It was the hubris mindset of the captain and crew who believed were invincible that caused them to get too close and, and cost all those people their lives. And organizations... Uh, the ones that have the most uh, joy in uh, back, you know, jabbing and what they call healthy internal competition typically are the ones that uh, overdose on this competition to where it becomes, you know, sneaky corporate backstabbing or, as you said, setting goals to look good instead of be good. And, um, you know, and it, it derails effective performance. Any, any, any coach or any leader who's ever led a team knows that when it's a team, which is the affiliative style, constructive style you talked to us about earlier, it's all about, you know, we, it's not about me, and it's about what we can do to advance the interest of the team. And when the team wins, everybody wins, not one versus the other. And, uh, you know, the, the only way I know that you can know for sure if, if you're overdosing on competition, which is a good thing, is to, is to complete, your, you know, your instrument. You don't, you don't know until you look at the data. Yes, and those those strong extensions and competitive style, at best, uh, will explain the silos that are operating right. within the organization. Uh, at worst, it'll explain why the organization is in fact failing. Uh, you may have individual units, individual performers that are looking good, but overall, the organization is not performing effectively. Such a huge, such a huge concept that. Competition can be great or competition can be hugely destructive. The question is how much and where the focus is. So, uh, Rob, as we kind of wrap up this show, can you give us, again, put your coach's hat again, on again, your culture kahuna hat, and what recommendations would you have for leaders that would, that would address the implication, implications of all that we've talked about today? Well, for, for leaders, particularly leaders of global organizations, we, we want to help them to be more effective as leaders. We want to help them make their organizations more effective. And we also want to assist them in constructively, constructively changing and developing the countries, the various countries within which their organization is doing business. You know, our, our mission is changing the world one organization at a time. Yeah, great mission, too. Great mission. We really take it very seriously. We, we have translated the culture inventory into 40 different languages. We have offices in about 15 different countries. We do a lot of work with global and multinational organizations. We feel that if um, leaders can implement, install the right systems, the right structures, the right types of jobs within their organizations, 
worldwide, they will be able to develop an organization that is more constructive, that is better integrated, that is performing more effectively, and is having a positive impact on the world, on the various countries, in the various countries where they are doing business. Uh, we, we do feel that um, constructive values, constructive norms and expectations within organizations in various countries will more or less spill over and um, start having an impact on people's non-work lives and on the community and on the other organizations that they are a part of within their larger life as citizens. Um, interestingly, I do believe and I have evidence that over the long term, if leaders will take time to have a constructive impact and build a constructive organization across borders, across boundaries, actually they will have a positive impact on things like human rights, freedom, and believe it or not, civil liberties mm. in the organizations that uh, their company is, I'm sorry, within not only the organizations, but also the countries that uh, the organization has present. And, and high performance, profitability, and strong gross national product. That's, that's exactly it. Strong world competitiveness across across countries amazing thank you so much dr cook what two what great two great back-to-back shows the last couple of weeks yeah these we need to get these out to people these are these are great this is absolutely wonderful what an opportunity uh to talk to dr cook and human synergistics of, of tools we've been using for 15 years that have been helpful to us and helpful to multiple countless uh clients that we've had let alone ones all over the world so you can get a hold of dr cook at humansynergistics.com and uh, as always, we're signing off with Biz Culture Matters on Clay 1180 AM and excellentcultures.com. We will be with you next show. Talk to you soon. Thank you, Zach. Thank, thank you. Thank you, Rob. Thank you, Rob. Greatly appreciate it.